From the beginning, we started Everyday Driver to help people find cars they will love. Commuting is a chore, but driving should be fun. If you like to drive, then there are cars where your budget, needs, and fun all intersect, and we want to help you find them. I'm Paul. I'm Todd, and this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hi, listeners. Welcome back to the podcast. We are really excited you're with us and listening. We hope we're informative and entertaining. Tonight is going to be both for this podcast. It's oh, going to be wow, a lot you're of throwing both. down early. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're calling your shot, are you? Okay, well, I pressure's am. on now to be both informative and entertaining. i got okay, well, to wake I, up. I think. I think Todd and I are both looking forward to this, and there's a couple of reasons. It's because both of the car debates that we're talking about for this podcast – both these people are looking for stick shift cars. And I think, you know, a lot of people might think stick shifts are dead, but that is not so. These listeners are looking for their dailies and they're looking for stick shift cars. So we're excited to talk about Nick in Ohio. We're very excited. You've got uh, actually a pretty good budget, 35 to 40 grand to spend. Yep, yep. And also Josh down in Arkansas, really excited to talk about this. You've got quite a list of cars that we've got to go through. It's it's mm-hmm. wild all over the board, but your price point is a little bit less. It's 10000 10, That's the and, hard part uh, of that one is the $10,000 price point. But bo- in both cases, these guys are looking for a car that's a little bit of fun. I love that people are reaching out to yeah. us and going, guys, I want a fun car. I think that's awesome. It is. It is. So, um, yeah, we're, we're excited to debate this. We're going to have to get a little creative for you, Josh, but I've got some ideas for you. We're excited. And, I do, too. Uh, I do both too. of these have got to be stick shift cars, so that's going to be interesting. Yeah, and, and before that, though, what we're going to talk about right up front is we're going to talk about another kind of behind-the-scenes thing on the show, and that is you guys wouldn't believe sometimes the struggle we have just getting cars. I mean, I have something I say to Paul and, and Gavin and Edgar that shoot with us all the time, and that is this. We don't have a car until it's sitting in front of me and I have a camera in my hand. Yeah. Because you wouldn't believe some of the stuff that can go wrong. And we wanted to just share with you guys a story from our most recent shoot and how it all came about. <laughs> and here's the thing. We get probably 60%, 70% of our cars from the press fleets. That means yeah. the rest of them come from you guys, people that either contact us or we'll get on a forum looking for a specific car. And by and large... You guys are amazing about being generous with your cars, wanting to be involved with the show. And those of you that have joined us have had a lot of fun. We love that. But still, after all this time, some of the hurdles would just amaze you. Yeah, you wouldn't believe it. And uh, I'm going to give a little shout out to you for all your hard editing work. If you don't know on the show, it is Todd that does all of our curating and our editing work, and he's brilliant. And so uh, it, it's left to me to find cars and really wrestle them to the ground. And I, I, I actually feel like we don't have cars until it's finished, until we call the shoot and wrap it. I yeah, don't fair. feel like, because something could go wrong. We've had, you know, a rock in the tire. We've had mechanical breakdowns, you know, something that could kill the shoot, you know, midday. Yeah, and so true. I always come away thinking, you know, it's, it's a stress level, but we love it. We get through it. Yeah. And so yeah. this latest shoot, we had something I was really looking forward to. Both of us were, man, this was going to be great. And it was the Jags, the brand new 2015 Jaguar F-Type Coupe. But we're going to put alongside that a 1964 XKE Coupe from a private owner, E-Type, and put both of these cars on camera. Series 1 restored, pristine, original E-Type 
So exciting. Actually, one of the guys that got us, the guy that got us the 1967, we called him Ollie because that, that was our name for him. The 1967 9-11 we had in our 9-11 film, the oldest one there. This same owner has a, a garage of cars, and that comes back in the story later. He has a garage <laughs> of cars. He likes us. He said, guys, I've got that Series 1E type you need. We found an F-type. We were going to shoot it in Utah, and we thought it was going to be awesome, and then the problems began. So with the F-Type, the owner, it was it was going to be actually a privately owned car as well because Jaguar didn't have any in the press fleet. And so we contacted a private owner, and as a matter of fact, he got the first F-Type Coupe R in the state of Utah. And yep. he was cool. He was ready to have us shoot the car. And he emailed me, uh, what was it, the Tuesday before the weekend, before the shoot, yep. and said, uh-oh, over the weekend, the transmission started making some funny noises. And so we took it to the dealer, and I thought, oh, no. All right, yeah. well, you know, what's going on? And so I, I contacted him. He said, yeah, it's going to be out for like a week. I don't think it's going to work. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. I, all well, right. Wait, 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 wait. I, I thought that was like Wednesday, Thursday, because Tuesday is when the owner called us with the, with the E-Type and said, guys, I took it out on a shakedown drive, and the brakes aren't working well, which is, by the way, not the thing you want to hear on a car we're going to drive like we drive on these shoots. I need brakes. Brakes are vital, okay? They're and vital. if you don't know, the E-Type, they, they had they had four-wheel disc brakes. The Jag was really, they were they were pioneers in that area. But the, the, the rear brakes are inboard. They're up by the rear differential. They're inside. So they're not even that easy to work on. Well, it's Jag. They're not easy to work on anyway. But so he was going to work on it. He was going to try to get it fixed. So we had that in kind of the maybe column. But, but we thought this owner was going to get it there. He was working hard for us. And then this F-type problem ha happens. And by Thursday, uh, we had no cars because the E-type was still getting so the brakes funny. worked on. And the, and the F-Type now was out. And I made, I made the crack to Paul. I said, well, unfortunately, Jaguar is living, <laughs> living up to its bad reputation here. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think they've gotten better. I couldn't believe but that. my dad yeah, had I... an E-Type everywhere. But I mean, my dad had an E-Type years ago, and it was always having a problem. So here we had a Series 1 out for a brake problem that needed parts and an F-Type out for a differential problem. Uh, and it was, we just had to look at each other and laugh. By Thursday, two days before the shoot, Thursday, we have no cars. I couldn't believe that. I loved it when I called you and he said, yeah, both Jags are in the shop. Wait, isn't that sort of what they're known for? Isn't that sort of, you know, Terrible to on say. the contract when you buy the car? <laughs> Terrible anyway, to say. So, Terrible to say. So, so we actually, so, our yeah. backup was going back to this E-Type owner who happened to have a 308 Ferrari that he really wanted us to drive. And we went, all right, that'd be a nice standalone. I've wanted to get in. That's the Magnum PI car. Come on, we'll grab a Hawaiian shirt. I'll grow a mustache. We'll go shoot a 308. <laughs> Don't forget chest hair sticking out a little bit, just a little. Tight. Well, you know, uh, we're almost as tall as Tom Selleck. I, I remember as a kid seeing Are him we? sitting in that car with his head sticking out of the roof, and I actually want to see if that's the truth for us. We'll get there at some point. The reason we didn't well, is probably what you're car. wondering. Iconic car, and so yep. I called Bob. He has the Ferrari 308, and he told me, "Yeah, I haven't really driven it in over a year, so let me go do a shakedown drive to get it ready for you guys for the weekend. No problem. Sh mm -hmm. Should be fine." Mm -hmm. I thought, great, all right, perfect. So he takes it for a drive, and he calls me and said, uh, the alternator light came on, which means it's probably the alternator belt. And I learned more about 1984 Ferrari 308 engines than I ever care to know for the rest of my life. <laughs> he said, Bob does most of the work on these cars, and he said, well, there's a little tiny belt that runs. It's a, it's a single belt on later cars 
Oh, maybe it was earlier cars that had the double configuration. So for whatever no, reason... No, you, you had it right. He was saying on the early ones they had it as a single, and then later they changed it to a double. His had a okay, single, that's right. which ran the alternator and the water yeah, pump, which, hello, problem. Alternator, and he, water pump, off the crank, and this yeah. little thin belt. I mean, pantyhose and duct tape would have been stronger. Yeah, shoelaces so, could be used in replacement. It was all bad. I couldn't believe it. So he said, well, uh, I think it's the belt, but I can't get any till Monday. I have to order it. And I thought, well, I've got a Ferrari dealer here in L.A., so why don't I go get the part for you and bring it to Utah and bring it. <laughs> you can install it the night before. And he said, all right, well, if you're good doing that, I said, absolutely. If so a in, little in, tiny in, belt is standing Envision this for a, a second. <laughs> Paul is now commuting across Los Angeles to the Beverly yeah. Hills Ferrari dealer, in his Porsche Cayman, by the way, across Los Angeles, <laughs> to buy a belt as thick as a shoelace to shove in his backpack so he can barely make his flight to Utah so we can shoot this car the next day. We hand off the belt that night. He goes and fixes the car. He sends us a picture from the shakedown drive and says, guys, it ate the belt. So apparently at this point he realizes it's not the belt problem, it's the alternator itself, and at 10 o'clock, the night before the shoot, we're supposed to shoot at 9 a.m., at 10 o'clock, we have no cars. Yeah. He said, it's the bearings in the alternator. I'm thinking, ah, okay. Uh, so now what? So I look at Todd, and we're both racking our brains, trying to come up with you know all the owners, everybody we've come in contact with. And we actually kind of came up with a pretty good list. We were putting stuff out there. It was late on a Friday night, so not surprised that people didn't get back to us. Yeah, but seriously. then uh, Saturday morning, we came across this event. It was a charity drive. That was a, what, Cars for Kids? Cars um, for Kids, yep. They were doing an exotics, uh, uh, kind of a loop through uh, in and around the Salt Lake City area. And we knew a photographer that uh, that I know through through Gavin that shoots on the show. We knew a photographer right. that was following them around. And so I heard about that. So we started tracking them down just to see <laughs> on, on an off chance, could we find a car? This is Saturday now. Could we find a car we could shoot on Sunday? So talk about last minute, no notice. Unbelievable. We so, found this group. Yeah. And... We actually found a worthwhile potential car. Well, this is so great because as part of the group, there was an owner who turned out, turned out to be the greatest guy, super nice, and he was driving a 1985 Lamborghini Countach 5000. And Gorgeous. Red, we both exactly how you would picture it. Huge and, wing, red, oh the, uh, the phone dial wheels. It's exactly what you think of when you picture a Lamborghini Countach. It was that car. And this car was in top shape, too. I mean, he yep. kept it yep. immaculate. And it was, I mean, it was a driver. He drove it, had 70,000 miles. And so we looked at each other and thought, that's the car. Because I had that car as a poster on my bedroom wall. I, I looked at that I. car. It's, I mean, I. I would say yep. for both of us, that's probably one of the cars that really piqued our interest and went, huh, so this whole car thing, supercars, mm -hmm. wow, this mm -hmm. is really interesting. So... We target this car, and Todd, bold as brass, walks over to the guy and just starts chatting him up. And I tried to, you know, kind of play it off a little bit, just whistling, looking at other cars, walking around the parking lot. And I love that you just said, here's who we are. We'd like to drive your car. And you put it out there. It was great. And uh, well, but, but he here's, was pretty here's open, the thing. open to it, wasn't he? I, I acknowledged I acknowledged this owner, Brian, who, if you're listening, Brian, thank you again. But yes, I acknowledge his owner, it. Brian. That this is weird. You're standing there in the middle of a charity event. You're talking to guys you know. You're talking to the people in the drive. And I walk up. Weird, long-haired <laughs> me strolls up and goes, hey, can I drive your car? It's weird. If you've never heard of the show, that's strange. Now, the nice thing is most owners, when they then check us out and look at the show, they then go, yeah, I'd like to be a part of that. But the initial contact, especially when I walked up and not only said, can I drive your car? But by the way, what are you doing 
tomorrow. <laughs> that was the bigger problem. But he was just like, um, well. So the long story short of this is he wasn't available the next day. So we had to now shuffle all of our plans. Oh, we got man. no shoot done that whole weekend. We had to spend more money for Paul to come back into, into uh, Utah the next weekend. And when we're recording this, it's been about a, it's been three or four days since we shot it. He uh, he made it available, and we shot it, and we have a Kuntosh now in the can. Think of it as a Christmas present. We won't have yes, it out till near the coming. end of the year. It's coming. But we were able to shoot a review on a Lamborghini Countach, a nice exotic driver piece. Thank you to Brian. But this was literally two weeks worth of work for one day with a car. Well, so the the wrap up to this story is really that yes, we get press cars, and quite often they come out of the LA fleets. But sometimes yep. they're not available, and sometimes we want to drive other cars. Now, is the Countach, does that fit in what we do? And I say absolutely, because you might be considering it. I mean, this owner bought it 10 years ago, and he's had it and loves it, and he actually drives it. So, you know, we're, we're debating the, the drivability of that car. There's no reason to own it, but we're, we're debating these kinds of things when we're driving these cars. And so... Yes, but it's but it's it, an icon. It, it's it's the icon. It I is the icon. And so whether you can afford yeah. it or not, I mean, that's that's actually it because it fits under the exotic label. It's almost less sure. about can you afford it and more just about what is this car like to drive. Neither one of us had ever driven one, and now we have. So I cannot wait to share that review with you. But again, yeah. we've got a couple of huge things in the lineup before that. So think about that yes, for the end of the that's year. Coming. But yes, it was a two week fight for one day with a Countach. But we, yeah, we wrestle these cars to the ground, and it's difficult. It doesn't always work out. And so yep. it's not as easy as you think. The press fleets don't have gobs of cars just handing them out like candy. They don't. So well, they do if, you're, if, if your name is Motor Trend or Top Gear. Or Edmunds. They do have lots of cars. Yeah, yes. Edmunds does well as well. They do have lots of cars. But, Very uh, true. Yeah, for most everybody else, I mean, they have, they have budgets, and they, most of the time the press fleets actually are buying cars out of the out of the allotment for lots and and dealers, and then they turn them. This is the frightening thing. They turn them back around and sell oh. them. You don't want to buy a rental car, and you yeah. really don't want to buy a former press car. <laughs> but but a There's lot no of times know, the car really. we're looking for might not be the latest and greatest, but it's still a new car, and they might not have one because they just sold that one to buy the new thing that they're pushing. And so a lot of times the press fleet, not a lot of times, but there are def- definitely times when the press fleets physically don't have the car we need. Right. So. We get there, but uh, sometimes it's a bit circuitous. <laughs> it was difficult, but we landed a Countach. We're looking forward to sharing it with you. But we yep. should move on to the couple yeah, of definitely. debates that we've got. And we're going to land on Nick from Ohio. Thanks for writing in, Nick. Really appreciate it. And you wrote in that the company that you started recently got acquired. So you're in the market for a nice car. And we talked about the 35 to 40K budget that mm-hmm. you've got I'm pretty excited to debate this with you, honestly, because uh, you're looking for a few specifics here uh, because you live in Cleveland and because you might, might take it to the track, but still kind of up in the air here. Well, but here's the key thing, and I want to speak to a couple of things you, you called out here, Nick, that I think are really cool. And that is, this will be your first, what car do I want I want to get a car I'll enjoy. It's your first car like that. You've had hand-me-down minivans. You've had a Subaru Forester. You've had cars that were transportation that you got somehow. This is your first money in your pocket. I want to go buy a car, which is an exciting place to be. And you've added to that. You need to take road trips. You need to commute in it. But you might want to go to the track. You might want to learn how to drive better. You want to actually ring this car out. And I'm excited about the fact that you want to get a car yeah. you can drive hard. Absolutely. Well, 
the thing that stuck out here is that Nick, you've never driven a stick before and don't really know anything about taking a car to the track and wanting to go into both. And Mm -hmm. this is Mm -hmm. a car that it sounds like to me, you're wanting as your daily driver and you're wanting to fit as a possible take to the track, possible, you know, learn stick on this car. All right. So this is also compounded by the fact that you're in the Midwest where it snows, you might be doing some commutes up to Detroit. So there's a lot of requirements here, but I, <laughs> I think I think I might have landed on something that, that would intrigue you. Now, I will start with the issue of learning to drive stick, and that is yeah, good place. maybe if you've got a friend that is willing, maybe borrow their car or have them go teach you. Mm-hmm. But what could be a good thing is rent an inexpensive car that has a manual transmission and go learn on that. It's a rental. Get the full insurance, you know, 45 yeah. bucks a day or whatever. Go do that a couple of times. Take a friend with you that knows how to drive and can teach you stick. That's the kind of thing to learn on. Don't, you know, destroy your friend's clutch or, you know, anybody you know. You might not be friends any longer. So, But it's harder and harder to find a a rental car with a stick because fewer and fewer people have sticks you can learn to drive on. No, that's fair. Here's here's the bad news, Nick, and I think it's just kind of a a reality of this. And I've said this to a few people that have asked me this question. I I hate to use this, this cliche, but it does relate. It is very much like learning to ride a bike in a couple of major ways. One, nobody else can teach you to ride a bike. You've got to go. You've got to screw it up. You've got to fail. And eventually you then go, oh, now I get it. And once you get it, you've always got it. The difference is now, the more you do it, just like a bike, the more comfortable you'll be. So what mm-hmm. I say to people is you've got to try to find somebody that's got a stick shift car. What works great if you know anybody that's got a truck, a stick shift truck, because it'll be a whole lot more robust. Because you're going to end up sure, dragging the clutch. You're going to end up you know, riding the clutch out to get going. You're going to do a lot of the classic mistakes. You're Kill going to smell clutch stuff. burning when you try this. It's just going to be that way. There's no way around it. Yeah. But you've got to learn to do the basics. And the hardest part is just getting going. Once you get going, it, it only gets easier. But you've got to learn the basics somehow, just like falling over on a bike, just to do it. And then the only way to get good, this is the bad news, the only way to get good is to own a stick shift car where you don't have a choice and you drive it every day. Yeah. That's the way to actually get comfortable. There's really no other way around it. You know, my dad took me in his Volkswagen Jetta GLI, and it was his car. And when I was 16, he just said, you know what? This is a life skill. You need to have this. You're going to learn. And so we took he me over. No he had no idea what he was doing. He had lot. no idea what he was starting at you. No, he really didn't. So <laughs> he took me over to a big parking lot, and, we, you know, no cars. It was empty. It was a Saturday afternoon. And he yep. just said, all right, you know, balance. He taught me what he his dad had taught him, and it was – it was cool. It was just sort of, you know, yeah. that's where I started learning. And, you know, everybody's probably got some kind of story where they learn stick. It's, it's different for everybody, but those are our suggestions. So, Yeah, and I actually want to come back to that when I get back to cars to recommend. But the truth is, so Nick has kind of wound up in a place where he's asking, do I have to get all-wheel drive and automatic? And just for a day-to-day kind of use, and because he doesn't have any other way to learn, he's going, I may end up needing an automatic. Is it crazy for me to show up at a track in, with an automatic? And I want to say to you right now, Nick, go to a track with anything short of a bicycle. If you've got a car, you're willing to take it to a track, I applaud you, go. There might be some track rats there that are going to look down their nose at you. I don't care. You shouldn't care either. The fact that you want to take a car to a track, you can get on a track, you can drive it hard and learn what it can do, I applaud that. And most people that go bring whatever they can, 
and you're going to go through brakes. You're going to go through tires. If you're willing to do that, I couldn't be more excited for you. And when you go, whatever you take, honestly, take whatever you can, especially if you go to an autocross. I mean, people take whatever. <laughs> but if you're going to go to actual track, exactly. either way, take whatever car you can and find an instructor or a guy that knows the track and have them take your car around the track and show you what's possible. Well, that's a great idea because when you take your own car to the track, it doesn't matter. And yes, there's people going to look down their nose at you, but you get to understand how your car drives and you're going to learn car control in your own car a whole lot better. So when you're on the street, you're in any other kind of situation. Well, you know the dynamics, you know what it's going to do when you push it to nine tenths or 10 tenths, you Mm -hmm. understand a little bit better about your own car. So I say, absolutely. Here's what's interesting. You've landed on this CTS coupe, uh, maybe the V it depends on if you can find one, within your thirty-five dollars to $40,000 price range. And, I, and that's because... I doubt it. Yeah, I kind of doubt it, too. It's You're looking for all-wheel drive for the snow, for the Midwest snow, and it's got to be still a nice car for you to just drive around. It's got to be stick, and it's got to be all-wheel drive. That's a pretty but, but, tall order. Yeah, see, the V's not all-wheel drive. I mean, I actually wonder, if right. you like the CTS, what about the CTS 4? Uh, and I actually, you know what, I should right. look it up right now. Does does the coupe even come in a 4? I mean, I know the, the, the four-door does. But, I mean, you could go all-wheel drive with CTS. That is is a possibility. But I'm going to come back to something I feel like I beat on every single time, and that is if you're worried about snow, get yourself winter tires and go rear-wheel drive. Unless you're going to be driving through drifts of snow, winter (laughs) tires are still helpful because they have a better, they have a tackier rubber below about 40, 45 degrees. That's what's helpful. Unless you're going to be driving through really terrible conditions, you're probably going to be okay in rear-wheel drive with decent tires. Now, don't get stupid, but <laughs> it's possible. It's not like you're mounting a blade to the front of your Cadillac and plowing your driveway, Nick. I mean, exactly, you know. exactly. We're not we're not going to Alaska and going on snow drifts. We're not trying to rally in this car. I'm just saying, you know, you could do rear-wheel drive. It's not out of the question. Well, Nick, you got me thinking though, and that is so. I, I stuck in the Cadillac realm, and I thought, all right, what have we driven that is also all-wheel drive and is stick? And I landed on the ATS. With the Mm 2-liter engine, and I looked it up, you can get the manual transmission, all-wheel drive, and it starts at $37,000. And that's for a brand-new ATS. Now, it's not the power. It's only the 2-liter engine that that comes with. But we've heard great things about that engine. It's one of their better-selling engines. It's It's economical. It's It's a turbo. And that car does check all those boxes. Now, when you show up at a track in a Cadillac... Okay, but man, Cadillac races in the Pirelli Challenge. Cadillac is genuinely a competitive race car at this point, so there's nothing to be ashamed of when you show up at Take the track. Take your car to the track. Doesn't matter what it is. Yes, yep. the CTS Coupe does come in all-wheel drive. So if you like that car, look at that Coupe Impossible all-wheel drive V6. Why not? It'll see the CTS4. You're going to be getting a used one at that price point, but that is a possibility. If that car speaks to you, I think that's pretty cool. We had another guy a couple uh, a couple podcasts ago. I think his name was George. I'm forgetting. But he had a CTS mm. coupe that he was taking right. to the track with his wife. So it's doable. There's people that are doing it. Why not, man? The all-wheel drive is actually the part of the track equation that I think is a little less interesting. But it would solve the rest of your needs. Uh, however, I've got two others I want to throw out. Okay. I've, I've still got a couple, but I want to hear, hear yours. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll save my, my wild card thought for a minute. But my two others okay. are A5. A4 or A5, for that matter. Oh, that was mine. Although I well, chose the okay. S5. 
Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe it'd be. I don't know how used you'd have to go with an S5, but but A4, A5. I mean, you've got to go. I, you've got a Subaru Forester. Sure, we could talk about the WRX, but I'm trying to stay away from that into nicer cars. You're saying you want to go buy something nice. You can commute in. You can take long drives in and hoon a little bit. A4, A5. These aren't great track cars. You could get some really nice tires on it. Get some I don't sure. know, uh, super sports or something, and and have a lot of fun. But. Sure. Uh, I think it would be perfectly good in all bad weather uh, commute situations, and it would also be fun. And then my other one that I thought of, rear-wheel drive, the 335iS, the prior generation uh, 3 Series. 335iS. We really like that car. It's got a great turbo-powerful engine. It's not as uh, thirsty or as powerful as the prior M3. You can get it in a stick shift if you want. Um, that's a sleeper. Most people don't know what that car is. Now, it is rear-wheel drive. you got to be careful of that. But that's my kind of wild card. It's the 335iS. Interesting. Well, um, Nick, some BMWs can be had with their X-Drive on the uh, 3 Series and the 5 Series. Oh, yeah, definitely. And definitely. so depending on what you could find, I, I'm sure you could find something in that realm. Now, they might not be the most powerful car like a 335, but they would check all those boxes, all-wheel drive, stick shift, and it would be a great car for you. I uh, I was looking up those Audi S5s and I found a 2011 for 32 ish. Really? For some reason, they've dropped off a cliff in prices. Mm-hmm. You can get it with the six-speed manual. Now that engine changed in the Cabriolet; it changed to a um, a three-liter supercharged engine. But you could still get that lovely V8 in the coupe that we loved and a yeah. uh, lot of power. Yeah, it would be that would be a nice car to own, really. Um, well, Nick, we 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 could probably keep going with this, but I want to throw <laughs> one more little curveball. I don't know if you've thought about this. You didn't mention this, but if you'll go with me for a minute, I have a crazy idea for you, because you've asked for a lot of variables. One of them being, hey, I need to learn to drive stick. Here's my other thought. You're talking about having forty thousand dollars. Okay, take thirty thousand dollars and buy yourself an A4. A4 automatic. Don't have to get the powerful one. Just get yourself the 2-liter turbo A4 four-door. You can commute in it. It'll be fine. It'll get pl- close to 30 miles a gallon on all your trips. It'll feel nice. A4 done. 30 grand. Interesting. Take your 10 grand. Take your 10 grand and buy either an older Miata or an MR2 Spider with a stick shift. Learn stick in that car and take that to the track. It's going to be cheap to maintain. The tires are going to cost you nothing. The clutch is going to be a buck and a half. It's going to be easy to work on or get worked on. It's not going to be expensive like your CTS or your Audi as a track car. If you blow out a clutch, it's still a bummer. It's still not going to cost right. nothing. But I it's like a Miata. It's an MR2 Spider. You, you've got rear-wheel drive. You can learn balance. You can learn to drive the car well. In fact, I would go one step further. See if you can find a driving school that lets you bring your own car. There are such a thing. Take oh, your absolutely. beat-down $7,000 MR2 Spider with a new set of tires on it to a driving school that says bring your own car. I'm telling you, Nick, it will revolutionize your driving ability and your understanding of cars. You know what? Didn't you just send me a link the other day to a $10,000 Porsche 944 in top shape? Yes, I did. And I was drooling. But, 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 but I, I think that's a bad that's, choice for Nick just because. We're, that's the we're track talking, car right there, baby. Yes, yes it is. But, but for <laughs> Nick, I'm talking about a car that you're just not worried about the fact it's going to consume stuff. Clutches, tires, brakes. Yeah, it's going to run. It's through, be especially if you're learning stick. Of course. I'm talking about six, seven thousand dollars Miata or MR2 that you just you beat on and you don't care, but you're going to learn to drive well. Please do that. That's interesting. I like that 
And, you know, on the other hand, now you've got two cars, so two insurance bills. But, hey, it's just money, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> well, but, but this is still in his budget. If, if you've really got 40 grand it to is. play with, 30 grand gets you into a nice car, and six or seven gets you into a beater that you can track and learn from. And I think you'd be a much better, happier driver as a result. And maybe your next car is then even hotter and stick shift and an all in one. Love it. Very interesting. Well, Nick, do us a favor and write in which car you chose to buy. We're very yeah, we curious. And this applies to anybody listening. If we recommend a car, we'd really like to know what you ended up buying. Because at some point, we are going to come back on various podcasts and just take a few moments to say, hey, mm-hmm. remember mm-hmm. this this person from this podcast? They ended up buying such and such a car that we recommended, and they loved it, yep. and they landed on it after driving all these cars. So that's the reason we ask. We're very curious as to what you end up on. And some of you are already uh, so. writing back. We're compiling this list. We're going to do a podcast. We kind of run through, hey, remember so-and-so. Here's the car they got. That'll be fun. So, Nick, if you pick something, let us know. Any of you pick something, let us know. Uh, before we move on to Josh, car debate number two. Wow, we're running long tonight. But anyway, uh, right. before we before we move on, if you have a car debate you're thinking about, TV at Gmail is the best way to reach us. You can also send yep. stuff through Facebook. You can go on our website. There is a link to the email that way as well. We're happy to hear this from any directions. We are reading all of them, so thank you to all of you that are sending them in. Thank you. All right, Josh, we've got uh, the list that you wrote. So this is car debate number two, and this is very interesting because you've got a long list of cars that you have owned and a long list of cars you're looking at. But this is a different requirement. Mm -hmm. You've mentioned you're down in Arkansas, and you're commuting to work about 60 miles a day, and you currently have a truck. Got a Toyota Tacoma V6 but it's paid off. So you're keeping the truck for utility purposes, which is great. But Uh you're looking for something new for yourself that is a commuter car, but the price cap is 10K. I'm not sure if you and I have ever really debated at the $10,000 level, have we? Yeah, this is is a nice challenge. I like this. I really like this. Because you're also also talking about that you've you've got a new baby. Congratulations. So you're married, new baby. Uh, So you have to have a situation where it has to have some back seats. So, again, I can't pull the $7,000 MR2 card again. Got to have some back seats in case you need to take actually the family anywhere. So I get that. Your wife, you say, has got a Tiguan that you guys both love, but obviously that's not a performance car. So you've got your utilitarian truck you're keeping. Your wife's got a nice little CUV. You want something that can do the commute and can also be fun. But, hey, guys, by the way, only $10,000. And that's where this gets hard. So you've written in with the list of cars that you're looking at. Starting at the very top of the list for an, a 2000s model Subaru WRX wagon, and I still keep thinking, who do you and I know that has one of those cars? I, I just can't figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. We'll so, get there. So uh, another a Saab 93 or 95, Toyota Celica. I like that idea, but that's you know the early 80s, early 90s. Going back maybe a little too far. I think you can do better yeah. than that. I'd yeah. say I'd say stay away from the SHO Taurus. Yeah, they were fast, but everybody who's owned that has beat it to death, and they're just they're junk at this point. Um, what else do you have on here? Subaru Legacy, Mazda mm-hmm. Speed Three, and uh, something something German, a TT or an A4 from Audi or a Honda Accord V6. 
Yes. Yeah, the early two thousands TTs. Real quick, I'm just going to say I have never heard any good reliability stories about those good cars. Actually, I take that back. We did have one guy that wrote in for we the car debate that talked about That's having right. 180,000 miles on his TT, and I think he has a unicorn on wheels because every story <laughs> right. I've ever heard about an Audi TT from the early two thousands is you couldn't get the thing out of the shop. So I can't say that. A4, okay. Paul had an early 2000s A4. It was good for him. Um, yeah. And you've also said a cord, a cord V6 manual. That would be interesting, but I don't know how fun it would be. I mean, it's, again, that's another kind of unicorn car, V6 manual. It's pretty cool. But, uh, wow. I actually, though, Paul, I have a sniper shot on this. You had one last week. I have Do this one-and-done sniper shot on this. Ten I, grand, I hit it. I'm curious. Wow. All right. Well, I'm curious. Uh, you're welcome to, to tell everybody we're – Baited breath well, no. Here. What what are what are you doing on this? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna wait. I've got I've got my one shot. I'll, I'll wait. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I've got a few choices on here, and I looked at your list, and I thought I cannot not mention a Volkswagen GTI because you're saying you need something economical, and you need to you know you've got a growing family now, and you need to transport stuff and people around in it, but it's got to be ultimately an inexpensive commuter car. So I'm thinking GTI popped in my head to start with, but then I thought. You need really reliability. Not that they're not, yep. but you need reliability more than anything. You need a something that you're not going to have to worry about. A ten thousand dollar GTI might be a money pit. Yeah, that, that's what I thought. Like, all right, so Maybe reliability. Not. I've got to come back to Japanese car. So I've got one wild card, but first my two are the O two to O six Acura RSX. That's also stick because that is something that you're mm -hmm. really wanting is a manual transmission. Mm -hmm, Those mm -hmm. are front-wheel drive. They're pretty fun. They're reliable. I mean, it's a Honda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other one that I thought of for you, um, Josh, is the third-generation 04 to 06 Acura TL. Now, the manual transmission That's only came one. on the later Type S. That was the 07, 08, so those might be just over ten grand. But again, it's Honda. It's going to be reliable. It's going to be great. Mm -hmm. And probably pretty fun, and you could probably find one for yeah, right about ten grand. Honestly, those TLs, that early generation TL, those early two thousands TLs, those are still sexy looking, and it's one of the most fun automatic front wheel drive cars I've driven. It's really superb. Even if you get it in an automatic, I know you want to stick, but even if you get it in an automatic, that that car is nothing to apologize for. That's a that's a good choice. So, Josh, I've got one more choice for you, and that is my wild card. It's also Japanese, and I've recommended this car before, and that is the first generation, 1998 to 2005, Lexus IS300. That car could be had with hmm, the brilliant sure. inline six. It's a rear-wheel drive, so it's really kind yeah. of a driver's car, and it came with the six-speed manual transmission. I think it was a six-speed. It might be five. I might be wrong on that. But anyway, I know it came with a manual transmission. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. They're old enough now that they're affordable mm -hmm. as, you know, under 10 grand, but they're still a Japanese car, and that engine's going to be dead reliable. You know it yeah, is. 10 grand so, in your pocket, you can get a good one of those. It, it's going to be, finding that in stick shift's probably going to be the hard part. Sure, I think that's sure. going to be the really hard part of it. Money's actually not. 10 grand for that car, yes, you could get there. That's my wild card, and I'm thinking that would be a lot of fun. You can, you've got kids, you can... You know, put people in the back seat. It's a little bit smaller, so it's probably going to be fun. But ultimately, I, I wanted to land on reliability, mm -hmm. but still, you know, fitting those needs as a driver's car. Stick shift, rear wheel drive, that kind of thing. So, yeah. like I said, I've recommended that before. I've driven it. I've driven one very um, for a very short time, but I came away impressed. It was just a 
a little car and it, it handled pretty well. So yeah. I, I'm those curious great, though. I'm, I'm dying to know your sniper shot though. Here's my sniper shot. All right. I go. read this. I read your list of things you're considering and I, and I looked up to make sure I was right. And I am right. 10 grand in your pocket. You can go buy a Saab 92X. <laughs> it is the Subaru WRX 05 or 06. You're only going to find 05. 06s are, are they've vanished. But 05 or 06, it is the Subaru WRX wagon in a Saab suit. Yes, I own this car. I have one with 180,000 miles on it. It gets beat on in the winter. I actually like my car, but there's just yeah. no choice than the commute I do back and forth over a mountain pass. It just gets beat on in the winter. Put winter tires on it. It'll do anything. That car runs like nothing I've ever owned. And with ten grand in their pocket, you can get a far nicer one than I own, frankly. I was looking earlier and going, I want that one. But, uh, but seriously, <laughs> you're going to have to look probably you know, a few hundred miles away. I don't know that there's going to be any you know, within a few hundred miles of you. You might have to look five, six hundred miles away. But you can find those cars. Five-speed stick, all-wheel drive, unbelievably reliable, good. I mean, I take my son in the back of mine. I've, I put skis in the back of the hatch and drop the seats. I put a bike in the back. It is a very usable car. If you commute in it, you'll probably get to about 25 miles to the gallon, maybe 26. I don't get that going back and forth over a mountain, plus I have a very heavy foot. But um, <laughs> but you will be able you to get mid-20s. You get mid-20s in that car. It will be reliable. And it's kind of a secret because you either know about that car and you're chasing just that or it's off people's radar. And the craziest thing about owning it is if you crack the hood on the quarter panel, the front quarter panel driver's side, it says Fuji Heavy Industries because it's a Subaru underneath next to a body panel stamp that says Saab. If you need to get anything done on this car, I take mine to the Subaru dealer. I go into an auto parts store and say, I have an 05 WRX wagon. I don't tell them I have a Saab 92X because most people don't know, and they don't know even what it is, but you can just get Subaru parts. It will run forever. I highly recommend that car, and with ten grand, one and done. That's pretty awesome. I like that. I, Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good choice there. Josh, <laughs> you've got a lot of options here. Write us back. We're curious to know. Again, we want to know what car you ended up buying and what you landed on, and most importantly, why? What fit your needs and mm -hmm. what spoke to you? When you drove it, what spoke to you and, and why did you like it and why did you end up buying it? I'm always curious about stuff like that. So write us back. We're very curious. And uh, One extra little yeah, add. Know, I should have so. said this earlier. When you're shopping for the 92X, you're looking for the Aero model. The Aero is the turbo. Linear is the, is the non-turbo. You want the turbo model that gets you essentially a WRX wagon and Saab 92X. There's the end of my uh, my pitch for the night. We really, really ought to end because this is we running should. very long. Well, we're, we're here for video. Primary, first and foremost, watch our videos. YouTube.com yep. slash Everyday Driver. I would guess that by now we've got quite a good co collection and good catalog. We might have driven the car you either own or might be shopping for. So go find that. Watch our videos. Let us know what you think. Take your time to comment. We read them all, as Todd yes, said. Yes, we do. We do read those. So check out our videos online, Everyday Driver and YouTube.com slash Everyday Driver. Yep, EverydayDriver.com is our website. We do actually have some articles on there. They're not updated as often as we might like. But a lot of our big pieces, our big episode pieces with lots of cars in them, they have articles that accompany them. We also write things called a warnings where we just kind of go off on things that annoy us. There's various things on our website, so feel free to go there. You can find us on all the social media sites. Yes, Facebook is Everyday Driver. Twitter is Everyday Driver. 
We could go on, but those are the main two places where we want to interact with you guys. Definitely write to us. We're reading all of it. Yes. If you're listening to this podcast, you got it from somewhere. I don't know if it was iTunes. I don't know if it was Stitcher. But if it was either one of those, you can go on to those places. You can rate us. You can give us a review, and that helps the podcast rise and more people find it. You're doing that already. Those of you that haven't and have thought about it, please, just because others are doing it, we need you to go rate, review. That helps it grow. Thank you for doing that. It's helping the podcast get, well, much bigger than we've expected. <laughs> it's awesome. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We really look forward to talking to you next week. Talk to you soon. Thank you.